the 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 level of embrace that some of these other artists got that came later in large part is due to what atmosphere did Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Accolades Conversation Series in which I talk to some of my favorite artists about who or what they would recommend me checking out. Make sure to subscribe to our channel or hit the like button. I don't care too much about that, but it's supposed to help us get more exposure, so I definitely appreciate that. Anyway, Brother Ali is an American rapper, community activist, and member of Rhymesayers Entertainment Hip Hop Collective. He has released seven albums, four EPs, and a number of singles and collaborations. Brother Ali decided to talk about his friends Slug and Atmosphere, who I interviewed in episode 27 of Accolades. Definitely check that out. The link should be somewhere in here. Anyway, Atmosphere is an American hip-hop duo from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Since its formation in 1996, the group has released 12 studio albums and 10 extended plays. The duo is composed of rapper Slug and DJ producer Ant. With the exception of a few tracks on the album Lucy Ford, Ant has produced every Atmosphere record. A former member and co-founder Spawn left the group after the release of the group's first album Overcast. Mr. Dips, a DJ associated with the group, toured with Atmosphere before their You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having tour, at which point Ant began touring. If you are into my illustrations, this Accolade series started as an illustration book, which you can still get on our website, CrateRecords.be. Anyways, without further ado, this is what Brother Ali had to add. I thought about a bunch of people, mm -hmm. um, but I think the one that I settled on, and I know that you talked to him, is Slug from Atmosphere, or Atmosphere, the, the group. There are people that, you know, I, I love to champion underdogs and I love to you know talk about the parts of the conversation that I feel like are missing because I feel like that's a contribution that we can make I know atmosphere so well and for as much as people love and respect them I don't think they get the acknowledgement that they deserve in the hip-hop space and I think there's an argument to be made for them being one of the top five or ten most influential hip-hop groups but in order to do that you have to take into account all of hip-hop so so many times when we talk about these things especially people from my generation or older we're talking about you know hip-hop and we kind of we kind of stop like i just heard this jerry seinfeld uh bit where he was saying that a man's fashion stops developing and evolving in whatever the best year of his life was mm -hmm. and it's usually the year he got married like whatever year he you know got a commitment got the best woman that he was ever with to commit to him, that's usually his best year. And then like, he'll dress like that forever. And I feel like uh, that happens a lot with in hip hop too. Like whatever somebody's best years were in their own experience with hip hop to them, that's the last year that hip hop was real. You know what I mean? And then after that, like if they're on the decline, then in their mind, there's not gonna be good hip hop after that. So when it comes to atmosphere, I think that, first of all, there's no one in hip hop that's made more music than them and released more music than them. You, we're really hard pressed to even find people that have made as much music as them. To find that, you really got to start talking about underground artists. Like, you know, maybe Tech 9 has done as much. Maybe Talib Kweli has done as much. Merce probably has done as much. 
But then also, whenever they create something new, they create a new world, like in terms of the, the way that it sounds, the way that it feels, the way that they approach the music. They've had more different periods in their body of work. There's early atmosphere. So there's like 1995 to 1997 atmosphere, which basically sounds like mob deep beats with hieroglyphics rapping on it. But you got Slug and Spawn kind of doing these like really kind of playful, witty, really lyrical kind of styles that really are reminiscent of Hyro. So that's their first incarnation. Then you get into like 1999, 2000 uh, is when they came out with uh, two projects, one called The Seven Tape that was a cassette-only four-track recording. You know, and in between these periods, they've released six albums in those in those five years. They released six projects. Not official studio albums, but I mean, so that's, that's uh, Headshot 7 is The Seven Tape. You know, they're performing as much, if not more, than anyone during that time as well. So like only Talib Kweli, Merce, The Roots, those same people that we're talking about they're in the elite touring category and the elite release category at the same time it's very rare the seven tape is really like dark it really digs into this very kind of like um heavy subject matter but it's it's really dense and it's not necessarily approachable and then in the same 12-month period they put out lucy ford these very bright kind of major chord soul samples with singing choruses that is almost like underground independent pop hits. And you go to their shows and it was like a lot of women. It was a lot of white people. You know, they were touring in all sorts of places that hip hop artists just never went. You know, they're performing literally everywhere. And, you know, and that's one of the things that's extremely rare in all musical genres, but especially in hip hop. You know, that's those that, those very early years. Yeah, and then you get to God Loves Ugly and Seven's Travels. That's kind of like the next wave of atmosphere. These joints, you have them sampling like a lot of really obscure rock. You still have some soul, uh, a lot of like blues and things like that. It's ant-made soundscapes that like there never was a hip-hop beat that sounded like that before. You know, if you look at those two albums, so 2002 and 2003, again, in a 12-month period, on those two records, so like shrapnel. There's never been a, a hip hop song that sounded like shrapnel before it. You know, you could definitely draw a line sonically with the things he was sampling to like what Beat Butcher does with Griselda. Um, you know, the song Shoes just has like these crazy like drum patterns and, you know, Ant just pulling from all different types of, of musical styles. And then Slug writing basically. I always call it like gangster of love is like a, but what I mean by that is that basically you have this whole genre of gangster rap that talks about what street life is really like and the fact that it's exciting and that, um, you know, it's, it's scary, it's dangerous. It talks about all the highs. And then the real artists in that genre of music also talk about the lows. They talk about like, you know, the depression that comes along with that and the substance abuse that comes along with that. And Slug does all of that inside of his writing during those years. The topics that Slug has covered as a songwriter in hip hop, I think they're more expansive than anybody else in the genre, man, except maybe Merce. 
Like Merce is another one that's like, Merce has made a song about everything there is to make a song about. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just talking to somebody, he's like, yeah, I produced a song for Merce with, about hockey. I'm like, of course made it, sir, Merce made a hockey song. But the approaches that Slug has taken, taken in his songwriting, he also was one of the first rappers to full on sing his own choruses which was not common. Like he did that before 50 Cent did it. And then they made a song trying to find a balance that ended up being on rock radio, but it didn't get service to rock radio. Like people in rock radio found it and started playing it. Like that was a truly organic situation, you know, at least I'm not aware of it being serviced. And I, and I was on those, both of those tours when, you know, really big music industry institutions you know, MTV and K-Rock Radio and Rick Rubin and, you know, these huge record labels were trying to get atmosphere. Like, it's not like they were checking to see. Like with me, the, these labels like check to see, like, can we get some value out of this artist? And then once they looked into me, they decided, no, I didn't make that decision. They decided that like, we don't need this bald albino dude rapping about the government. Yes, and atmosphere has become a genre unto themselves much like lp i would say is uh, someone else that came from that time that really stuck to his guns and ended up being able to really finally get get his accolades with run the jewels and i remember very specifically that the music industry wanted to put atmosphere on this on this platform and they very clearly decided not to do it because they didn't want somebody else to have their hand on the spigot or on the knob of like what their career could be and then I think right after that, when it came with uh, You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having, I think that's the quintessential Atmosphere album. I think that's their best album, where basically Slug had written all of these songs throughout his life, and then he made the best version of each one of those songs. If somebody doesn't know Atmosphere, I think You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having is an album you can put in, and you listen to Slug, also one of the overlooked realities of this guy as an MC is that he can really spit. I think people overlook that, they forget that because of the fact that he writes, you know, again, I can't imagine how much fun we're having, um, you know, Say Hey There, I think is like the perfect song. I think it's the best song that's ever been written about a dysfunctional relationship between a man and a woman in hip hop music. To find a better one, you gotta go outside the genre. Like you're now you're dealing with you know, uh, Muddy Waters or something. He's got a song on, their, on that album called That Night, which is about one of the most tragic things that can happen in the life of a musician where he was on tour and at an all-age concert and a young girl wanted to meet him and her life was taken by a security guard who took advantage of the fact that she wanted to meet him. She was killed trying to meet him. What did he do about it? You know, he went back he got in touch with her mom and her friends and he went back and became part of that community. All of these shows in that area f for years to come benefited not only her mom and her family, but also he helped get a law passed in New Mexico that people that work at venues, now they have to have certain background checks. And it's named after the girl who was killed. Her name was Marissa. That's, that was his response to this thing that happened for him. He didn't bring a camera crew with him. He never made a documentary about this beautiful stuff he did. And then he wrote a song called That Night, which is just like 
most artists will never make a song approaching the meaning of what that song is. And then all the transitions, the vocals that, you know, production on the level of the bomb squad. And in terms of like how eclectic and how layered it is. Amazing. So then, you know, then they come out a few years later, life gives you lemons. Now suddenly it's all this like synth music. Like there's like an 80s progressive pop rock kind of thing with all of these synthesizers. Change the sound completely. Then for a period of time, they had a full on band. It sounded like a, that basically atmosphere was like an indie rock band and like all live played guitars and keyboards and, and, and like piano and things like that. Just the diversity of what they did. Nut, so that, that's, you know, their artistry. The other side is what they did in the business of hip hop, of independent underground hip hop music. You know, Run DMC changed the game because they came into hip hop music with Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons and Lior Cohen. And they basically said, we're going to be a rock band. We're bigger than rap. Like rap is not seen as as big as it needs to be. So we're going to be a rock band like Metallica. We're going to be a rock band like the Rolling Stones. Like we're, we're doing it like that. You know, and then certain other people, the Roots, you know, came in and the Roots are like, you know, we're going to tour like we're Sly and the Family Stone or like we're going to tour like we're James Brown. And it's going to be a review. It's going to be like the Motown or Stax review. We're going to be Isaac Hayes and we're going to be the Funk Brothers where like we can come out on tour with Jill Scott and, and Erica Badu and Pharaoh Munch and De La Soul and we play everybody's music and we produce all the music. We're in all the sessions soulquarians and that whole thing atmosphere grew up and, and like really came up with the aesthetics and the and the business practices and the ethics of indie rock and punk and they applied that to underground independent rap music so, and so they went everywhere you know jeans that they've been wearing all week skate shoes and and a trucker hat and like just standing there and signing talking to every single fan shaking every single hand signing every t-shirt selling the merch themselves loading in and loading out themselves like really underground punk indie rock aesthetic and 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 then also owning their own label you know what i'm saying and controlling their own career there's really a whole wave of artists that come out of that and I think a lot of people don't know that there was a booking agent named Zach Quillen, who was my booking agent and was up close and basically an insider at Rhyme Sayers. So, you know, Atmosphere had so much impact on the way that everybody toured in underground independent music. Also, they took so many people on tour. Like they broke so many artists, other artists' careers. Um, you know, you mentioned Sage Francis and Sage will tell you that Sage went on tour and learned how to tour from Slug. Like Slug took him on tour. Um, Ident Abilities, um, you know, Merce and, and Living Legends. Now Merce and Living Legends were also doing their thing and they had their own very strong movement too. So not to take anything away from them. And Atmosphere didn't invent underground independent rap music, but Merce came on tour with Slug and definitely, you know, learned a lot. And so, so many of us at that time. But then this booking agent, that worked so closely with Rhyme Sayers and, and seeing the way that Atmosphere built their career. He then became the booking agent for, man, Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, Yellow Wolf, Macklemore. So that guy became Macklemore's agent. And so Macklemore's career 
is directly inspired by both musically, sonically, songwriting-wise, but also the approach and the story that they told about their career is directly inspired by what Atmosphere did. Macklemore disputes it, but it's not disputable. I mean, it's, it's true. And th so then there's a whole generation that comes after that. Atmosphere's impact is felt in, you know, Kendrick Lamar and TDE. It's felt in Chance the Rapper. It's felt in so many of these artists that came along later that said, we're going to go direct to our fans. We're going to release our music direct to our fans. And we don't need the music industry. They're, you know, Atmosphere is not interested in making sure everybody knows what they did. They're just being Atmosphere, and that's why they're so dope. They would never care about all the things I'm saying right now being recognized. They don't care about being recognized in any of those ways. And it's not an act. They're literally like, hey, I don't care who notices me. I don't think that his, their music, their artistry, his ability as an MC, also Slug still freestyles off the top of the head in his shows every night. Like, who does that except for Black Thought? And, and one thing that I wanted to point out that for me is unique about Slug is there's in the rap days, early 2000s, the complexity of how everybody was rapping and how clear he sounded in the middle of all of that, how clear his voice was, how you could recognize immediately that it was him and like how easy he made it sound towards like yes. a lot of those other people that were doing the same thing. That's a unique thing of, uh, about him, I think. He's always been both. Like he's always been both extremely artistic and really he can be very complex and he can be very but he's also very accessible yeah and like you said like makes it sound like it's effortless to him and makes it easy to for the fan to listen to i want to thank my guest brother ali for this conversation next week i'm talking to emil amos from holy sons and om about jimmy camel if you're interested in buying my book accolades you can still do that on CrateRecords.be slash accolades. Uh, if you're interested in seeing video footage of these interviews, you can go to our YouTube channel, Crate Records. Thanks for listening.